God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So my goodness. Well, uh, there's so much um, going on in the world of uh, Trump, I would say, because, you know, we have so many uh, so-called patriots that are just bailing and crying the blues and running for the hills and... Uh, exiting the premises and resign, sending in their resignations. And There's all been these, about 16 people who have resigned. Yeah, 16, include, 17 people. Including two cabinet members, Elaine Chow, Secretary of Transportation, and Betsy DeVos, Secretary of Education. Yeah, Betsy DeVos said something about her uh, Trump's rhetoric uh, was just too much to handle. And, and she Elaine Chow said something similar. But the point is, it, what's interesting about all of this is, you, you have to rem- bear in mind that these people were only supposed to be in their positions only for a little, about two weeks longer. Maybe they would have stayed longer if there wasn't already somebody assigned. But in both of those cases, with Chow and DeVos, there was somebody already announced for those cabinet positions. But can't we keep it classy? But you know what what this does, though? This undermines the transition, because if you suddenly have the person at the helm of a particular cabinet leaving... Just before a new administration is supposed to come in, it undermines the, the, the promise of a smooth transition. Well, talking about transition, if the Democrats want a smooth transition to Joe Biden, if they want acceptance, if they want to reach across the aisle, then what the hell are they doing pushing for a 25th Amendment? I said you this, just I said, made my point if, again. <laughs> if the Democrats want smooth transition to Joe Biden, why are they demanding Vice President, at Vice President Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove at real Donald Trump from office. Now, at real Donald Trump doesn't even really get that message because his Twitter was shut down. And Twitter shut down Linwood, Krakenwood, and Linwood's other firm, Bite Back. Uh, they've also shut down General Flynn. They've also shut down Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, there was this uh, post that General Flynn put out. And I, and I thought it was uh, actually um, kind of an interesting uh, post. 
And what it was was um, he he was putting out evidence. Okay, so he was basically now here's here's what we've come to. All right, it's it's absolutely terrible, folks. It's terrible what what's going on with big tech, and why it is that you know cocaine Mitch or Mitch uh, China Mitch um, couldn't push forward with removal of 230 section 230 protection on these big tech firms the liberals totally endorse election fraud and the liberals and the democrats totally endorse big tech censorship because it works for them but if the shoe was on the other foot they would have a field day and you know the thing is is that right now as it stands on paper you got the House uh, and Pelosi said this when she was calling for Trump's removal from office. Talk about like compromise and reaching across the aisle and making amends in a new day. You know, one would think that Nancy Pelosi would actually be kind of happy about what happened on the 6th, that she actually got confirmation that her boy, Joe Biden, is going to be the next president of the United States. That's what that's what she signed off on. That's what Pence signed off on. It's kind of interesting, right? What was she so angry about? Why was she actually so desperate to get rid of the president of the United States? Oh, because they were blaming him for something he didn't do? Sounds a little like Charlotte to me. Sounds a little like the Russian hoax to me. Sounds like a little bit like the impeachment hoax to me. The impeachment hoax, the perfect call with Ukraine. Come to find out that actually that Ukraine call with what was in it had a lot to do with reality. That Joe Biden really is a crook. That Hunter Biden really is a sleazeball. That, you know, basically got in bed with China in such a literal way. But also embezzling and extorting and kickbacks and palm greasing and all kinds of untort things that should be explored and and uh, diagnosed, dissected. But here we are. They want to oust the president. And meanwhile, the president wants to respond. And Lindsey Graham gives uh, Trump a pat on the head because of what Trump said. He's he's going to, uh, you know, ensure a smooth transition. But he didn't say the name Joe Biden in that smooth transition. So we're going to take a listen to that here today as well. But General Flynn was talking about this and he says, we must stand up for the truth and call for a full investigation. How am I doing so far? Does that sound okay? We must stand up for the truth and call for yeah, a full investigation. Yeah, sounds okay to me. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah. Okay. Now, I mean, this is like a 30-year general, right. right? 30 years in the military, served his country like a patriot. 30 years, he's a general, General Flynn. And he makes this statement in quotes, we must stand up for truth and call for, the full, for a full investigation. And then he adds to the tweet, Another piece of the foreign interference puzzle. Now, when you add the word puzzle, you basically are saying this is an exercise of investigating and finding the truth. It's a mystery. It's right. a scavenger hunt. Right. So puzzle. He's not saying I have full knowledge of this, although he could because he's he has privileged information because he has top secret clearances. He said, but the viability of our Constitution and our country are at risk. So far, yeah. am I doing anything wrong? Okay, so far. Okay. Italy did it. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. So he says Italy did it. 
Arturo Delio admits to steal, admitted, okay, there's a person that actually admitted to stealing the election on YouTube. Oh, let's go to YouTube. So I'm going to click on that YouTube link, and guess what happens? It says this. It says, this video has been removed for violating YouTube's community guidelines. So I can't find the truth come hell or high water. I can't find that truth. Although I actually have a copy of Maria Zak, Italy did it. Arturo Delia admits to stealing the election. We're going to take a listen to what Maria Zak has to say because I have another alternative way to to actually play those clips. Thank goodness. Now, we're going to get into a lot of interesting things today because we're going to um, go back to the 6th and we're going to take a look at what really happened on the 6th. All right, so let's take a look. Let's go down that journey. We're also going to play these clips about what Trump said and what Lindsey Graham said, you know, basically patting Trump on the head and saying, you did good. You, you're like a good puppy. You said the right words that made us all feel good. And maybe, just maybe, we won't exercise our 25th Amendment and try to throw you out of office in the next seven days, seven business days. So, you know... Lindsey Graham, such a scoundrel, such a scumbag, right? Warned you, told you, right? He would throw Trump under the bus in a, in a second, in a New York second. But here's the thing. So we got, um, we got that speech. Remember um, the ellipse? Yeah. Okay, I so- actually have the speech here. I have the text of it, but it's just a little too long to go through the whole what thing. What speech? Trump's speech. For which one? The speech at the ellipse. Oh, that's a long speech. It's just, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we're, not go- long. we're not going through the whole speech. <laughs> so what speech do you have? No, no, no. We're not going to play the speech. Yeah. You're just talking about it metaphorically. No, no, no. I'm going to go into a whole different thing. Okay. So right, go into stay the- tuned. I'm staying tuned. I don't know <laughs> yeah, what you're stay, talking about. Stay in tune. Um, so he gives this speech. And you know what the first thing was that, that caught my interest and caught my attention? How late he was. So that speech was supposed to start at 11, 11. or 11.30, right? It was supposed to start at 11. And he didn't start until like noon, after 12 noon. Yeah. He started late. And, you know, what was interesting about that is uh, is that that pushed the ending of that late. And so a lot of people were questioning why in the world did he give his speech and it carried over past 1 p.m.? How in the world, why did that happen? Right? Why did that happen? Mm. And you say, well, because one of the most important events in in American political history was what was going to take place at 1 p.m. on the January 6th, right? So that's kind of an interesting thing. And you say, well, why did that happen? Well, the reason why that may have happened, this is a theory, and then I have this theory backed up by three conference calls I've had with three sources and they're good sources. And I'm about to share some information with you that, you know, might be a little bit eye-opening. Now, I've put out a lot of tea leaves on some of the posts I've put on my social media over at Scott Adams Show on Twitter and also on my Facebook. But here's where I'm going to go with it. So I think that 
Trump calling for this big event? Because I always thought, what's the point of actually marching on the ellipse and marching when really where you needed to pressure, where you needed to apply pressure to politicians was in each and every state uh, legislator. So if you really want to make a difference, push the state legislature in Maricopa County to decertify in Arizona or push Clark County to decertify Las Vegas or push Harrisburg to decertify PA or push Fulton County to decertify Georgia, right? And to push these different places to decertify. That's what I was going for. In the weeks weeks leading up to January 6th, that's what I was pushing. Trump was pushing this big march for Trump on the mall and in the Capitol building and at the ellipse. And so... I was like, I don't see really all the value in that. But if you are the commander in chief and you are dealing with an international crime, like, say, Dominion voting machines being from a Canadian origin, uh, operating out of what we just quoted Flynn as saying, which was that this Delia guy, uh, Maria, um, this woman Marie outed Delia in a court case where he admitted that he is part of the crime of switching votes and it came out of Italy and there's a connection with Spain and Germany well that's an international crime which involves who? who does that involve? that involves hmm, let's just say it's the CIA right? the CIA is international the FBI is domestic so we have the CIA international special teams ops just like the four, just like the four guys, like Chris Tonto Peranto in Benghazi, they were working out of the CIA annex. They were mercenaries or whatever they were, but they were operatives working on behalf of the CIA. And, yep, you guessed it, Hillary Clinton's State Department. Well, in this case, it's Pompeo's State Department, and Pompeo already got on the stump and he held a meeting in front of all the state governors in the summer. And he said, you know who you are in this room. And he said, and we played the clip before. You remember that clip, Leonardo? Yeah, I do. And we said, he warned these people that they were dealing with, um, unbeknownst to them or beknownst to them, they were dealing with foreign adversaries that don't have the best interests of America at heart. And be careful what you do with these people because we have a list that says, that rates you as to how willing you are to work with them and Pompeo said this in a, in a speech. And he said, you know who you are. And there's people in this room that are guilty of these types of things. And you you got to be careful about it. Because you're doing business with the devil or you're doing business with a foreign adversary that's having a negative impact on our national uh, sanctions and national tariffs and national deal negotiations because if they could actually skirt around the Oval Office and make deals with each and every governor or secretary of state it it actually um, makes the national interest it weakens the national interest you know it deleverages the federal government to negotiate and create leverage over a foreign adversary if they could skirt around the federal government and go straight to the states. So Pompeo was definitely looking at that. And so Pompeo is involved 
with the State Department, and if there are international crimes that involve our Five Eyes, like uh, our Five Eyes partners, our allies, or Italy, um, and we know that Renzi and Obama were good friends, and we know that George Papadopoulos was pinched by Renzi, and we also know that the whistleblower, Eric Ciarmella, worked for Joe Biden, and his partner was Michael Carpenter, and Michael Carpenter was seen in that Council on Foreign Relations video where Quid Pro Joe was talking, uh, bragging about how he fired the prosecutor to get uh, to, to to in order to release the billion dollars, and the prosecutor was looking into Burisma, which uh, paid Hunter Biden millions of dollars. We all know about that, but the guy sitting in that room and in that building, he was on the, he was sitting to Trump, uh, Biden's right, and his name is Michael Carpenter. He was at the meeting that Biden was invited to, working as an advisor with Eric Ciarmella. And Eric Ciarmella was tipped off by Vindman about the Ukraine call and became the whistleblower with Mark Zaid, the attorney that waged the coup against Donald Trump. And Eric Ciarmella then was working with Sean Misko, his lover. And Sean Misko was hired by Adam Schiff. And they were doing that whole coup for the impeachment. So there's a conflict of interest. And we're not supposed to know who Eric Ciarmella is. If you say his name, you'll get banned on Facebook. So it's one of these things where we know who these people are. We know who Stefan Stefan Halper is. And we know what he was doing. And we know that Mitt Romney was involved with Stephen Schrage and Stefan Halper. Because they worked together. Right? And Stephen Schrage was an advisor to Mitt Romney, and so was Kofor Black. Kofor Black was on the board of Burisma, along with Hunter Biden. So we know that Mitt Romney is also knee-deep in this and explains his behavior. But here we are with a situation where we have an international crime committed that's basically a coup to overthrow our election, to overthrow our government, the one that the people have elected, duly elected, in a landslide, and they wanted to reverse the votes and reverse the count and reverse the order of business to overthrow our government and to put in still and to put in power a puppet of their own making and creation. Somebody that's owned by China, somebody that's compromised by Russia and Ukraine and who is dirty to the core and can be exploited through compromat and all kinds of different things, especially when you have a cocaine-addicted uh, son who appears naked with all kinds of different mistresses, including Chinese spies, all over the Internet. And so we have this situation where it would involve the CIA and it would involve the State Department. And when we talk about the CIA, we're not necessarily talking about Gina Haspel, but we could be. We're talking about Pompeo overseeing that operation, just like Hillary oversaw the CIA annex in Benghazi. And we're talking about John Ratcliffe, who's been a hero to the right and a good friend of people like Jim Jordan and a real great warrior stumping for Trump and defending Trump's honor. And so John Ratcliffe is the head of the DNI right now. And DNI is head of all intelligence. And isn't he about to come out with a report? Yes, he is. That's supposed to implicate some real foul play? Yeah. Well, 
he hasn't released the report, but he already has the report. So along with his report and along with some things that Durham might have, because Durham and Barr and Giuliani all went to Italy earlier in the year. And so <clears throat> I believe that they have the, the goods. And there's a court case going on where this guy is literally uh, confessing. And what's sad about it is when someone like General Flynn tries to report on this, it gets blocked. And when somebody like um, uh, Marie, who puts out a YouTube, it gets censored. So again, I'm just going to read this. And it says, another piece of the foreign international puzzle, the the viability of our constitution and our country are at risk. Italy did it. Arturo Di Elia, D apostrophe E L I A, if you're going to Google it. Arturo Delia, D apostrophe E L I A, admits to stealing the election on YouTube. And when I click on the YouTube, it's censored, obviously. But Maria Zach was the one that got the goods on this. She got the affidavit and she got some other stuff that suggests that this guy admitted to the crime. Now, Let's get to the elliptical, the ellipse. Let's get to the ellipse and let's get to that speech. So Trump starts the speech late on January 6th. Knowing full well that Pence is going to uh, put down on, <clears throat> go in alphabetical order, right? <clears throat> so he's going to go start with Alabama and they went right to, right to, right to Arizona. Right. Right? Arkansas comes after Arizona, I guess. I before, I don't know. I before K. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? A, B, C, E, G, H, I, J, K. So Arizona, right? Yeah. So it went straight to Arizona. And and right there, that was about 1.15, 1.18 p.m. Well, guess what time Trump ended his speech? About 1.12 p.m. Yeah. Now, go figure. Think about it, folks. Think about it. Why did Trump show up late? Why was he surrounded by bulletproof glass? And why did he end his speech as soon as they got to Arizona? Think about it. Let's let's use our brains for a minute now and think about that timing. It's perfect timing. Now, what if you had a CIA operation, you know, with the likes of guys like Chris Tonto Peranto, and you have an international espionage case where it belongs in the jurisdiction of the CIA who are using their own special ops to literally embed themselves as Antifa infiltrating MAGA. So what if they were infiltrating Antifa, infiltrating MAGA? It wasn't Antifa infiltrating MAGA. It was CIA ops infiltrating Antifa infiltrating MAGA. Because there's video footage... It's very strange. And a lot of people suggest that it's possible that the, uh, the person, um, uh, Ali, uh, what's it, what was the lady's name that uh, passed? Oh, um, her line. name was Ashley, ba- Ashley, Ashley Bobbitt. Bobbitt, right. Yeah. Ashley Bobbitt. Now, there were four people that died, right? And so the left is actually trying to sit, compare it to Benghazi. Ashley Babbitt, I'm mispronouncing Ashley it. Ashley Babbitt, yeah. And Ashley is spelled ends with an I. <clears throat> and so... She's fourteen, four tours in the military, so she knows how to handle a gun. She uh, is 14 years in the Air Force, and from some accounts I've heard, she actually had some intelligence clearance. So 
She's carrying a big backpack, and she was one of the first to get inside. Yeah. And then she got shot by a guy that was wearing a mask and was wearing a suit jacket with white cufflinks or white cuffs, like a white button shirt. So that was more like Secret Service rather than Capitol Hill Police. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of interesting right there. But, um, but and, and it could have been a, uh, a uh, you know, a, a green kill, you know, like a, basically a green on green kind of deal. Um, but um, who knows? I don't know the details of why or how it came about that she was shot dead. Um, but what I would say is this, is that there's a photograph of Nancy Pelosi's computer screen and one of the first things they did was they went to her office and there's video of Capitol Hill police waving people onto the premises. There's testimony from Capitol Hill security that actually stated, and it's on video and on audio, actually stated that it's very unusual what occurred on the 6th. Waving people on the premises is not what they do. In no. fact, if you want to get into the Capitol building, you got to make a reservation. Right. Or, I mean, there there are some public events that have happened, but it's particularly since COVID. I remember when we were going to go to the Billy Graham funeral. Oh, well, we couldn't get it. Lied in state. And we had to go all over the place to try to get like a pass. Right. You had to stay. Well, it's not a reservation. You had to get online and it was, it was just too too much of an ordeal. No, we had to get a line to a pass. Right. That's what I'm saying. And then and then from the pass, then yeah. you can get into a line to get it, into the it, building. It, yeah. I mean, it just seemed very unusual. So... If, if, if you look at this, you got the ellipse speech, started late, surrounded by bulletproof glass, ended at 1.12 p.m., which was rather odd because the 1 p.m. is when the, new, the, you know, the, the deal started. And they started off with Alabama. They got to Arizona. And as soon as they broke for um, debate and discussion about Arizona... That meant that all of the politicians needed to be in the chamber on the floor. Now, if the Secret Service would have come around and said, uh, and they would have said, uh, you know, we're going to have to evacuate. um, So get your things and and we're going to go to a safe place. Right. That would have been like Nancy Pelosi would have said, yeah, allow me to go up to my office real quick. I'm going to get my computer, I'm going to get my flash drive, and I'm going to lock my door, and I'm going to shut my computer down. I'll be two minutes, three minutes at the tops. But because they said, shots fired, shots fired, guess what? People didn't go to their desks. They didn't go to their desks. Well, I mean, you know, you think back to, like, I think back to 9-11 and how we were, you know, people left all of their computers everywhere. I mean, that's what happens when there's a, a crisis. So shots fired. Shots fired means... You're going with me right now because I'm law enforcement yeah. and I'm not about to get shot today. So you go, you do what you're told, you do what you, you, you do what I tell you to do. Okay, that's that's what shots fired means. It it te- it te- it puts the urgency to a new level. Mm-hmm. So now they're locked in a safe room for hours. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi's doors open, her computer's left on, her flash drives on her desk. What the heck? She's got to be sweating bullets. And so next thing you know, they got photographs coming out on the Gateway Pundit of her screen with Outlook open. You know, like her email is exposed to the world. 
Now, they blurred it out because I think Gateway Pundit would have been sued. I, I think know. so. Yeah. <laughs> so they blurred the text out, but you could see the shape of the, of the email, which meant that they had about 40 people that were being almost escorted upstairs. They showed the Capitol Police waving a baton and then running up the stairs almost as if to say, I know exactly what office you need to go to. Follow me, but we're going to disguise it like something else. So next thing you know, they made it to Nancy Pelosi's office lickety-split. They took photographs and showcased in a way that was probably symbolic. We have your data. Now, I heard from a source, and uh, I got to say, it's a pretty good source, that this could involve that they, they got data from Nancy Pelosi's office that implicates her in the Seth Rich cover-up, that she knew about Seth Rich's murder more than she ever would admit, and that there was a cover-up going on. Now, that is an interesting set of developments right there. Now, it could send a lot of people to jail right there. And the other part is this. The other anomaly to the January 6th uh, you know, elector fiasco was this. So they break for hours. All these computers with all these Democrat politicians are exposed, even Republicans. And then when finally, when they finally got back for debate at 8 p.m., <clears throat> everybody sort of changed their tune. Everybody started blaming Trump and everybody started getting on the rhino bandwagon and they voted for a fraudulent election with fraudulent electors. They never bothered to look at the evidence uh, when they could have. They were begged to do it. Please look at the evidence of fraud. No, we want to be blind and we want to vote uh, for the status quo and uh, we want to get back to things normal uh, the way it was before Trump. So those people who voted that way actually are part of the crime. And then people were always talking about Pence as being this swine, spineless rhino. And that could very well be. And I'm not going to make the argument. I'm not going to argue in defense of Pence. But what I'm going to say is let's flip that coin for a second. And let's take a look at how quickly when I got up in the morning, I was like, what in the world? They they confirmed and elected Joe Biden? I thought that there was going to be at least seven two-hour cases of debate. I know Michigan didn't get a senator, so they didn't debate that one. But still, they didn't seem to debate any of the other states. They seemed to just concede, and that was pretty much because of the they went in, they got what they wanted, and then they said, let's get this over with as quickly as possible. Why do you think they might have done that? Because as Ivan Raikland said, who was on the show, and Lynn Wood said as well, he said, the crime is not consummated until the electors are solidified, certified, and declared. So they did that. So the very next morning, you would think that Nancy Pelosi would be super happy about everything. She just won. She won the lottery. But no, she was very unhappy. And she starts talking about impeaching the president 
And if, if, if uh, cabinet members won't, um, uh, and Pence won't get rid of Trump on the 25th Amendment, then we're going to hold impeachment hearings, and then the Senate's going to get involved. And, and we're, we're talking about eight business days. Well, no, the, the, the problem is is to do the um, 25th Amendment or, or impeachment proceedings. Like you said, it would take probably about eight days. But we're talking the, the whole time frame is about two weeks that he has left in office. Yeah, um, now it's less than that. Now it's yeah. uh, now it's like 11 days. So you're going to be spending the whole time on process. And again, we keep going back to the same point. If you want an orderly transition, keep people in place. Yeah. Now, now here's another little wrinkle to this. If all the cabinet members are leaving, are there any cabinet members left? There, are, so so far, only two have left. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, yeah. Um, I wonder if these early resignations actually take away that ability for a pre- 25th Amendment. Because if you don't have cabinet members, well, you need enough people pres- for a vote, et cetera. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I mean, at the moment, what, it's what, only what kind of rules and regulations? But are at the impacted? moment, it's only, to my knowledge, it's only been two. Okay. So, but but still. Maybe because you don't have an incomplete set of cabinet members, yeah. uh, there's a law, there's a rule that says until you get the cabinet members back, yeah, you know, you can't, you know what I'm saying? Right. Okay. So uh, it's just, just a food for thought. I, I don't have any real knowledge about that part. But what I would say is this. Nancy Pelosi's office was left unattended. It was because of the yelling of shots fired. It's very possible that CIA is investigating an international crime of election meddling that is staged as a coup to overthrow our government. That would be the perfect jurisdiction for them. And the other wrinkle is that directly after Trump's speech that he gave on the ellipse, on the 6th, he left and went to Abilene, Texas, a military base there and people were like wondering why then there was this guy named monkey works and he put out this these flight patterns about a b-52 and a fighter jet flying around you got all these national guard that are coming into town and last i checked it's antifa and black lives matter that burn things to the ground and, and scorched earth and burn down churches and spit in police faces and stuff like that and they're the ones where if you go to antifa.com, it goes to buildbackbetter.gov or whatever. And then if you type in Black Lives Matter, they have a donate button that donates to ActBlue. So it's just the, the fix is in. The jig is up. You know, every, all these taxpayer dollars that went into painting Black Lives Matter, that stupid Marxist group down the streets uh, all over our big cities uh, was paid for by the taxpayers. And they donate to one party. And that's the Democrats. Talk about a fraud. That's where the fraud is, folks. The whole Black Lives Matter thing is a bunch of fraud. And so is Antifa. And this whole notion about Antifa infiltrating MAGA on the 6th, that's real. Because there's plenty of video footage that says where the patriots that were MAGA supporters were pointing in real time, organically, that's Antifa, that's Antifa, that's Antifa. And they tackled them to try to prevent them from breaking into the building. And we have tons of eyewitnesses that say 99% of the overall thing was just rejoiceful, patriotic, fun, happy. 
people were just you know trying to state that they were unhappy with the election fraud. But they weren't going to get violent. And so it was the Antifa infiltrators. But then again, here's the question. Was it Antifa infiltrators or was it CIA operations? Because, you know, when people are undercover, they, you know, like an FBI agent is dressed up in a hoodie looking like a crack dealer on the corner. And he's like, gotcha. You know, you just made the deal. And next thing you know, you consummated that deal and boom, you got him. Right? right. So that's a that's a situation right there where, um, you know, when you work undercover, you got these police officers that look like the real deal. Right. They look like the real criminal, but they're not. And uh, and the timing of that speech where everybody knew that the crowd was going to go from the ellipse to the Capitol building. And they did it exactly when Arizona was being called and politicians were going to be sent to the floor. And the timing just works out so perfectly, folks, that you got to say, well, it's entirely possible, especially when one of the first photographs that floated out was from Nancy Pelosi's office where they had access to her computer. And then there's video footage of these two guys in hoodies. Nobody else was really wearing hoodies. Mm-hmm. But there were these two guys in hoodies wearing sunglasses. I thought you weren't allowed into buildings with hoodies and sunglasses on. I mean, Bankston, other places. That's that's why it's well, very they, strange. No, they broke in. <laughs> well, I know they broke in, but but the thing is, if they were waving people in, no, no, didn't no, they look at some no, people no, that no. were dressed was, like that? There was hundreds of people. Well, in the I know, building, I know. And, they were mob. They, they were okay, storming. Mo- there the were place. a lot of people wearing red hats. Yeah. What I'm saying is, um, I think that the CIA. Yeah, uh, was infiltrated into that group. Yeah, for one reason or another. And you know, when you're in the subway, I, I remember this. I was in a New York subway, and there was a crime committed, and there was three undercover guys in hoodies that came out of the woodwork. And you're like, wow. Well, that that's literally like, coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, no, they were like, bam, Johnny yeah. on the spot. And I just think you have. Um, undercover police everywhere. Yeah, totally. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a great tactic. So the point that I want to make is there's these guys, these two guys are videotaped with hoodies and they are wearing sunglasses and masks to cover up their face because Nancy Pelosi would want to know who's confiscating her flash drive oh. and laptop and whatever have you, right? So... You know, the data with Seth Rich. Um, and so uh, they're carrying, uh, they have this big coat on and they have a big bulge in their stomach and they're not fat. You know what I mean? Like it's they're carrying something. And not only that, but this was early enough into the, uh, the, the, the experience of being in the Capitol building, um, you know, trespassing, where most people were walking in still. These guys were in. And they actually were walking out. And not only that, but there's also talk about the timing. And they said while people were walking over, the people that were in Nancy Pelosi's office and wherever else in the sweet spots were there before Trump's speech ended. But if you were to get like 40, 50 special ops guys to invade the Capitol building on another day other than when you had 3 million people on in D.C. supporting President mm-hmm. Trump, uh, I think you would stand out like a sore thumb. So Trump called the rally 
and wanted millions of people to show up on his behalf, I think, to help camouflage the infiltration and to plan this attack with Arizona being the first state to go through the objections. And that would have given them enough time to get the data early. And then it was after that that it was business as usual and they processed the crime as quickly as possible, confirmed it, rubber stamped it. So a lot of people think that Pence was a bad actor. Well, you could actually make an argument that Pence was actually working on behalf of the president to get that part complete so that the crime will be have been completed as quickly as possible. And it's almost like on football. You almost want the other team to score if you know they're going to score, but to, to, to save time on the clock so you can get the ball back and try to score yours. So, you know, the timing is definitely an issue. So if you think about it from a strategic uh, perspective, if everything that I said was just right now just true and you got the speech that conflicts with the timing, that matches up with the timing perfectly with Arizona, you get the CIA operatives embedded in the crowd. You got access to Nancy Pelosi's office. And everything here is a fact so far. These are factual timing, factual photographs, factual evidence. And you got people walking out carrying, carrying stuff underneath their coats. And you can't make out the, what their face looks like. And you got a shots fired that guaranteed that you were going to have access to empty offices. That with computers still turned on because they didn't expect this to be happening the way it happened. So I'm just saying, open, you know, open, open mind. And then you got President Trump doing a, an odd thing, going to Texas directly after the speech. Then he comes back and he's going to spend the whole week in Camp David. Now, on the flip side, you know, if you're basically... Uh, not a skeptic or you're not conspiratorial in any way okay fair enough you might say that he's going to Camp David because they're boxing up the White House yeah you know and the moving trucks are are going to come in on the 20th and that's what it is so he doesn't want to be there for the so you could actually make that statement you know you could you could make that statement we're going to take a listen to um, and that would be fair enough if you did that I wouldn't I'd say that's possible but the other is possible, too. And the crime had been committed. And we're going to take a listen to Trump's speech from last night, where he actually made the statement that sounds a little concili- concessional, like a concession. Conciliatory. 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 Um, but tell me if you hear the name Joe Biden anywhere here. Okay. And what I put this through the right audio channel, you know, the correct audio channel here. And uh, we're going to take a listen to Donald Trump. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack on the United States Capitol. Like all Americans, I am outraged by the violence, lawlessness, and mayhem. I immediately deployed the National Guard and federal law enforcement to secure the building and expel the intruders. America is and must always be a nation of law and order. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defiled the seat of American democracy. To those who engaged in the acts of violence and destruction, 
you do not represent our country. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. We have just been through an intense election, and emotions are high. But now, tempers must be cooled and calm restored. We must get on with the business of America. My campaign vigorously pursued every legal avenue to contest the election results. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. In so doing, I was fighting to defend American democracy. I continue to strongly believe that we must reform our election laws to verify the identity and eligibility of all voters and to ensure faith and confidence in all future elections. Now Congress has certified the results. A new administration will be inaugurated on January 20th. My focus now turns to ensuring a smooth, orderly, and seamless transition of power. This moment calls for healing and reconciliation. 2020 has been a challenging time for our people. A menacing pandemic has upended the lives of our citizens, isolated millions in their homes, damaged our economy, and claimed countless lives. Defeating this pandemic and rebuilding the greatest economy on Earth will require all of us working together. It will require a renewed emphasis on the civic values of patriotism, faith, charity, community, and family. We must revitalize the sacred bonds of love and loyalty that bind us together as one national family. To the citizens of our country, serving as your president has been the honor of my lifetime. And to all of my wonderful supporters, I know you are disappointed, but I also want you to know that our incredible journey is only just beginning. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. So that's interesting, and I want to play another interesting clip because we got a couple of clips to get to. And um, he never said Joe Biden. Yeah. And a new administration could be a second administration, especially with all the turnover that you would have. So. Uh, I don't look at that as uh, I think it's a I think and not only that, but I think that that was designed to slow down the pressure of this 25th Amendment uh, media barrage. Well, exactly. It and was again, to show, yes, I have come out. Yes, I have been presidential. No. Yes, I have made a statement. Yeah. And I'm saying yeah. everything you want me to say, Lindsey Graham, uh, put Lindsey Graham and made Lindsey Graham happy. Right. Um, so Lindsey Graham was all happy, like, oh, Trump set the right tone, did the right thing. You know, he jumped through my hoops and I'm going to pet him like a good poodle. Um, You know, Lindsey Graham is the biggest scumbag on the planet. But, you know, he says this, President Real Donald Trump's statement tonight urging the country to move forward and heal was much needed and hit the mark. Well done, Mr. President. You know, what a joke. How anybody could support Lindsey Graham is beyond me. I mean, I agree he should have probably been uh, reelected only so he can get himself, uh, so he'll resign and the governor of South Carolina can appoint a real senator other than Lindsey Graham. And I'm going to work really hard to try to get this guy to resign so that the governor of South Carolina can do the right thing and put a real senator in the South Carolina seat. But let's take a listen. This is a George Webb clip. And He's got a person with him that's talking, a Terra Star that's talking about some things that they saw that were a little bit odd. Let's take a listen. Hello, everyone. It's January the 7th. There's Tara. Morning. 
Uh, Tara was uh, in Washington, D.C. yesterday on the 6th, the big day. The orange hats, false flag. They're going to try to get people to go into the Capitol, seem like an unruly mob. Yeah. And and yeah. The, the mob psychology seemed to work. The orange hats seemed to knock the fence over and get um, the people to come in. Okay, I think this guy might be like some sort of crisis actor, you know, yeah. so I'm even getting sucked in. People like who weren't there, uh, and I, I know what you're saying is, didn't understand how peaceful this was. Um, all day, a uh, very peaceful crowd that respected the barriers. It wasn't until oh, the yeah. wasn't until the orange hats showed up that knocked the barrier exactly. down, and then they kept knocking barriers exactly. down, and the police kept retreating almost. Uh, in, oh, you can see it. That's you can see them letting them in. The whole the whole thing of you know they they broke the gate. It was kind of like they came up and then the police like separated. So I meant there is such a farce going on right really now. Really good instincts, George. You know, he can kind of tell when it's like, all right, these agitators are kind of getting things a little crazy. Let's move on to this Every other area. Every single person next to these agitators were like, well, whoa, what are you doing? That's not, that's not, a, right. you know what I mean? They were, the people around them were like, no, that's not what we're doing. That's, we're like, well, whoa, what are you doing? That's not, that's not, a, right. you know what I mean? They were, the people around them were like. See, I mean, there's something weird going on with that, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the, 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 and there's video footage of the Capitol Police waving them on. Yeah. Come on, come on, come on. There's, there's, there's going to be a few sacrificial lambs with the Capitol Police with how things went down. You already had the head of the Capitol Police uh, step down. Things were not right with how things All happened. Right. So this is uh, Marie, uh, drawing a blank on her name, um, but this is the person talking about... Uh, Let's see if I could find that. Um, so, you know, what General Flynn was talking about um, was right here. Um, Marie Z Maria Zach, okay? She's going to be talking about Arturo D'Alia from Italy. And I want to listen to what she has to say here. And this is the breaking story of the day and maybe the year. This story about to hear, Maria Zach joins us live. Hi, Maria. Hi, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me today. So glad you could come on. Well, I didn't want to spoil your story at all. So I know you delivered an affidavit today in Washington to at least a couple of people in Congress um, and the president's chief of staff coming out of Italy that's relating directly to this whole issue of election fraud in America. And I want to let you just tell our listeners what it was you delivered. Yes, ma'am. We are very thrilled to partner with the Institute for Good Governance and Nations in Action shares the same passion for honesty and truth in elections. And so we have done some substantial research over the years. I've even been on the recount teams over the years, including the 2000 recount team. And what was troubling in 2016 in the elections and 2018 with uh, Broward County, we exposed that fraud, but never in my life did I think we would have the opportunity to see what uh, act that we have seen in taking the election theft to a whole new level. There's so many variations and kinds of theft, but this orchestrated theft that took place in America that is breaking today, and thank you for helping us break this story, we actually know the person who actually committed the act of uploading the software, where they did it, how they did it, and that has been put into an affidavit with the top lawyer of Italy and uh, and was part of a proceeding, a judicial proceeding in a federal court 
in Italy in the past couple days. So news has been breaking. Italy did it is the uh, global trending hashtag. And so we're going to play the second part of that clip here. And let's just take a Real, listen. The president is happy. And it is for a reason. This happened. It's very real. The president is right. Foreign interference did occur. And people need to be prosecuted in our country who actually participated. So that affidavit, as you said, was drafted and uh, submitted to Congress at 112 this afternoon. As soon as we could get it over safely, there are people who have their lives at risk for wanting to save our country. They know it's that important. Many believe like what we did as America for Italy in, in World War II, that it was time for them to repay saving America. And that's exactly what they did. They stepped up amazing patriots. So I want to be sure what our listeners are understanding this affidavit you're describing. I have it in front of me and I may even read it at some point in the show, but the person is talking about what was uploaded was the instructions to flip votes from Trump to Biden on the evening, late evening, November 3rd, early November 4th, as the, as the votes are being counted in the uh, unsettled states, this person is attesting that he was the one who is who uploaded the instruction to a satellite owned by Leonardo, that uh, the Italian um, cybersecurity company, a government contractor, uploaded the instruction to, to change those votes in America from Trump to Biden, and that went up to a Leonardo-owned satellite back to servers then in Germany and ultimately back to America. So this is the proof that votes were shifted by foreign powers in our 2020 November elections. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Uh, this person has said very uh, uh, precisely that he has been an employee of Leonardo SPA. And Leonardo is uh, a very large, I believe the 11th largest defense contractor in the world. And there's even more to this uh, interview. And uh, well, you know what? Um, it ain't over yet, is what they're saying. And uh, that's a sworn affidavit. That's in a criminal case. And the person is admitting to the crime and uh, I don't know how you can uh, look away from that and I think anybody who certified a fraudulent election especially with this kind of evidence and by the way you have all the way up until January 20th uh, for you to say okay fraud definitely was committed on a grand scale the Biden team cheated they even admitted that they cheated with the fraud thing and uh, uh, that candidate is disqualified but that brings us to the end of our Scott Adams show for today. My name is Scott Adams. My name is Leonora Cravetta. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Just to bury my kids right up to their 